Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors joins us in the studio. Morning to you, John. Uh, good morning. Unprecedented times, really? Unreal, really. Yeah. Unreal. I think, I don't know about anybody else, but every morning when I wake up, I kind of think that I'm coming out of some sort of a nightmare because... Yeah. I mean, things have transformed so dramatically in the space of, what, three weeks? A few weeks, yeah. Yeah, unreal. And, I mean, the funny thing about it was that people have kind of asked me, I've, you know, obviously we continue to trade as in we continue to do business, but um, I was talking to a colleague in Dublin over, we did a Skype consultation over, over the phone on something, you know, and he was saying that he's from one of the big firms in Dublin and I'm always having a go at them anyway, but I said to him, well, how, how well-tuned are you into this whole homeworking and all that kind of thing, you know? And uh, he said that um, he found it extremely difficult uh, because he had to bring home his files. And I said, well, it's about... 12 years since I had to bring home a file because we're paperless so I wound him up on that and then I, Judy said to him well how's, you know, how's the whole networking with your colleagues going and he said well I'm here on my own and I'm whatever you know so he's kind of facing which I think is probably you know whatever about the virus which is obviously very very serious um, I mean it's the whole social isolation, I mean they're talking about social distancing or I mean they're not talking about physical distancing but I think it's the whole social isolation element to it that's going to be really problematic and I think from a business point of view in terms of doing business, I mean as you know I kind of semi, I've kind of played with retirement as in that term of retirement over the last couple of years in that I've worked at home so the whole idea of working from home and you know home working or whatever it is you want to call it remote working or whatever term is that people might choose to use I've been doing that now for I'd say about two years if not longer and you know the elements to it are the technological elements to it you know getting it right from a technology point of view but there's also the getting it right from a personal point of view in terms of your own uh, state of mind in mm. terms of dealing with it and what I thought was really strange was that I thought to myself when this happened well you know this isn't going to be a huge impact for me because after all I have always kind of over the last while worked from home and it's not the technology that's causing me the problem. It's the actual social interaction. And I think this is something that's going to cause a problem. Now, we're not talking law here, but I mean, I think this is something that's going to cause people problems going forward. Mm. And I think even the... Sl- we, we, we actually, I think, underestimate the amount of social contact that we need, even if it's minimal. Mm. And I think the interesting thing was, and I thought it was kind of, can I use that word prescient, I think is the word that kind of comes to mind. I was reading the Gazette. We have uh, this um, monthly newsletter that's issued by the association, the solicitors kind of uh, mafia, if you know what I mean. uh, You said it. (laughs) And uh, But it was funny, there were three articles in it. Um, One of them was by a psychotherapist um, who's on the Law Society team, if you know what I mean, about the issue of technology versus, 
you know, everything else and how it's impacting on our lives. And I thought it was really interesting that the article really talked about the fact that, you know, people could get literally sucked in by technology to the extent that they're not able to socially interact anymore. And I think if ever there's a time that it's going to become I'm almost to move on to the next phase is this because suddenly that's all people are going to have is their technology, is their Facebook, is their social interaction on this device, if you know what I mean. And I think it's kind of going to propel us forward into the whole discussion about, okay, how do you deal with the combination of technology versus, you know, human interaction. And I think that's going to be very interesting. But just to get back to the kind of fundamentals, try and come back to the law side of it for a second. I mean, the whole thing about, you know, how how businesses are going to cope with the current situation. I mean, realistically speaking, I'm sorry I missed your last interview, but I mean, the whole issue that's going to have to become very relevant now is how are you going to deal with things like redundancy? Mm. How are you going to deal with things like, you know, social welfare payments? How are you going to deal with things like employer-employee rights? How are you going to deal with things like if people actually have to shut down on a short-term basis and then have to reopen? So that's going to raise a whole load of questions. And, about and a whole load of questioning structures, for instance, yes. uh, John. I mean, for instance, if somebody is sent home to work, what, what happens with public liability and all of that? Do you take that with you? I mean, for instance, if I go home to work and I have a bunch of files on the floor beside yes. me and somebody falls over them. Well, hopefully they'll be sorted. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Has any of that been teased out or not challenged? Or? Not at all. And I mean, the interesting thing about this is one of the queries that has come into us is the whole issue of making wills. So I'm not going to sidestep. So I'm going to just go back to your question for mm. a second. You know, what happens if I bring all my physical files? Well, I'd argue, of course, you should be paperless. <laughs> indeed, indeed you would, yes. But but, but still, I mean, as you can see for this programme, no, we have I to understand. cut down the tree every day for you. But, uh, I understand. As long yeah. as you put it back up again. You're <laughs> but no, but I mean, quite seriously, the whole issue of liability, there's, there's, there's all sorts of liability issues that are going to arise because if you're working at home, that is, in fact, an extension of the office. Mm. If it's an extension of the office, the liability still will arise in terms of, you know, liability, like in our case, liability to third parties instead of giving advice just because you're at home and just because you don't have access to your colleagues and all that kind of thing doesn't mean that you can offer advice without, you know, checking it out. Mm. You're still going to be subject to all the laws of contract. And I mean, but what's really fascinating is another article that was in the Gazette um, about the whole issue of making a contract because, and I thought it was fascinating that this article kind of surfaced within a week or so of the coronavirus. Not that there's any connection, obviously, but it was a question that was posed by a practitioner where he had a contract that needed to be signed. And what he did was he had it signed over Skype. And what I mean by that is, and it raises the question of a legally binding contract, it raises the question of how do you 
create a legally binding contract and what are the requirements for a legally binding contract from a technical point of view. Mm. Likewise with a will, for example, if you want to do a will at home, you know the homemade wills that we're talking about, they often fall foul of the technicalities of the Succession Act. And what the Succession Act says is that you must have, you must sign the will, obviously. At the, it says how you sign it, where you sign it. And then the next thing then is you have to have it witnessed. So the witnessing of the will requires two witnesses to be present when you're signing the will or that you acknowledge your signature to a witness. But the two witnesses don't have to be present at the same time. So that raises the really interesting question, which kind of came into my mind straight away because a number of people rang about making wills. And how can we make wills? And I said, well, in the, in a technology-driven offline, if you like, environment like we're in at the moment, I send you out the details as in the kind of form to fill in. You look at the form, you go through the I send you an explanatory leaflet as well, and you go through that. You fill on the details. You email me them back. That's okay. Everything is fine there. So now I've got the information. So now I access technology again. I type up the will and now I've got my will. So technology kicks in again, I then email you that document, you now have your will. Okay, so how do we do it from there? Well, you have a couple of options to do it from there. You can either come into the office and deal with the whole social distancing scenario and the whole hygiene scenario, etc. and all that. I commend you, I see, I'm looking at your cleaner here in front Indeed. of me. I, I commend you on your Top quality sanitizer. Sanitizer gel, excellent. It's supposed <laughs> to be self, whatever, by the way. <laughs> but um, so you you then deal with the practicalities of it, and I mean the practicalities of it is the client brings their own pen, they use their own pen to sign the will, they sign it at a distance. <coughs> you ensure that you know when they pass you over the the will, you now have to deal with the issue of witnessing the will. So now the next question kicks in. How do you witness the will and ensure that you keep social distancing? Well, the the answer to that is that you have to, first of all, ensure that the witnesses see you signing the will and or you acknowledge your signature on the will. So acknowledging your signature on the will doesn't mean that they have to see you physically signing it, but it does mean that they've got to be able to acknowledge that this is my signature and this is what I, you know, this is my point at it. Mm. They actually don't have to see the contents of the will. And the next thing then is, do they physically have to be in the same room? Well, the answer is that there was an old case in 1800 and something where somebody was looking through a glass as in a window and then there was another case where somebody was looking through a door and saw some saw the signature, if you know what I mean, and that was deemed to be good. That raises the question of whether or not, and then let's just come back to the question that was raised in the Gazette, i.e. about the Skype call. Mm. Could you actually witness... Through them? Skype. Exactly. Mm. Could, you, could you deal with it through Skype or and or Zoom or whatever mm. these other technologies are? Well, good question. There was a case that I found, well, I didn't find it now, to be fair. It was referenced in this judgment. And it was a case that involved a guard seeing something through CCTV and giving evidence 
in court of having seen it through CCTV and the judge held that that was acceptable because what he said was it was like looking through binoculars and it was the same thing as visibly or physically seeing it and he accepted that as evidence by the guard that he had seen Mm. whatever it was. So you would argue that that would hold Mm. through as well. But there'd have to be a recording of the Skype, is that it? Well... That you'd have it there as a reference then if there was a question. Very good. Full marks. I'll give you a nine out of ten for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, yes, you would have to record the detail of the witnessing. And you usually do that and would do that normally, the way that you would normally do that normally. Is there normal now at the moment? But anyway, the way that that would have been done here too far, and that sounds really legalistic, doesn't it? I'm always giving out to people for using them. I feel you're going to charge me for that. Yeah, yeah, at least a fiver. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but before this, you would sign an affidavit. And the witnessing, you would always have the security that if I witness something over Skype or I do anything that requires, that might, if you like, be called into question subsequently, you would then do an affidavit of an attesting witness. That's the term that's used for it. So you do an affidavit saying, I witnessed this over Skype. I saw Joe Bloggs, the testator, signing it. And it's on such and such a date, at such and such a location. I know Joe Blogg because they're clients of mine. And this is the interesting thing that they raised when they were talking about the contract and the signing of the contract over Skype. The whole issue that they said that was kind of central to it was what they called provenance. They used the word provenance. Provenance, I've only ever heard the word use provenance when they're talking about art. You know, when you're looking at a piece of art and you're saying, what's the provenance of that or whatever. But it's that. It's the fact that if you know the person, because as you can very well imagine, this whole area could be wide open to fraud Mm. and you could have a situation where you're saying that you're a friend and you're not. I don't know who the hell you are. No, I do know who you are, but I don't know who you are. And therefore you're telling me you are somebody. And I do an affidavit saying I saw somebody who identified themselves as Fran, whatever, but I don't know who the hell you are. So like everything else, Every, everything is going to be it's going to be fascinating mm. to see how all this pans out Will GDPR come into that in any way? But that's really really another interesting question that you, you asked me because another article again in the Gazette I know they must have been sitting down or something and planning pre-planning this because another article that was written was the whole article uh, on GDPR in the context of what do you call those drones Mm, and information acquired by drones and the whole area of compensation under the GDPR process because you see what, and this was written by the data commissioner um, and what she was saying was that really the way things are advancing technologically and then looking in the context of GDPR you really are way behind the curve in terms of identifying that there could be huge damages paid subsequently for breaches of GDPR. And that's going to be another really issue. I mean, it's funny because 
one of the things that I was looking at over the last while as well was the whole money laundering. You know, money laundering and when, you know, years ago we could all go into our banks, banks and opening accounts and no problems at all. Now everything, every move you make almost now, it's subject to money laundering and the whole issue of compliance and proof of identity, etc., etc. But GDPR is in that space now at the moment is that it really hasn't hit to the same extent. But, and you and I have talked about this on any number of occasions over the last while, you know, the whole area of GDPR, defamation, breach of constitutional rights, the rights to privacy, and how do you match the right to privacy? And now if you take the whole virus scenario and the whole home working scenario, now you move into the realm of, okay, we now start moving into emails, we now start looking at the whole issue of emails and we suddenly start looking at the issue of authentication and you have a whole load of people now, a whole load of people, but you have quite a number of people now that have relocated to a home environment. They're now using technology and you're now looking at, you know, ensuring security and breaches of security. Mm. Mm. And then the whole area of breaches of security is going to lead into the whole area of litigation, damages, compensation, loss, etc. And your your next question then is going to be, well, how are the courts going to view that learning curve in the context of damages to private individuals? So... I mean, I would say to people out there, I mean, one of the things when you're looking at emails, I remember, and it's 20 years ago now, I remember sitting down at a conference on technology and the law. And it's really interesting because, again, another article, again, I'm really, anybody wants to read a really good gazette, as in magazine, the the gazette by the Law Society in the last two months has been really informative. But one of the things that the Chief Justice, which is the head, I was going to say bottle washer, but you know what I mean, the head man of our legal system, was given an interview in either last month or the month before Gazette and one of the things that he said was, and it's really interesting he said that technology is going to take centre stage in the legal system and the real question is that if it does take centre stage, how are we going to make sure that we evolve the law to deal with that centre mm. stage scenario. And that evolution has to be all the more quicker now because for, oh, yeah. like, look at what's happened in the last well, two weeks. Ex- well, exactly. You know. But the interesting thing now is it's suddenly like home working. I mean, as I said, I've been home working for how long? In fact, I've been connected to my office for, I'd say, 20 years. I've used go to my PC as opposed to VPN. Now, we get really, it sounds like I really know what I'm talking about, but VPN is a connection Direct yeah. connection between your 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 laptop and your your computer in your office, whereas go to my PC is an online uh, kind of system with authentication and everything else. But I've been using that for I'd say twenty years now. So this is now going to become the norm. The norm, yeah. And you're going to have people who are suddenly going to say, "Gee, this working from home is great." Yeah. And I, funny, I was watching a video just as an aside. I was watching a video by some American. I was love watching. This. Of this lady who had done a video on home working, and she was there, and she it was really, it was really very practical and very relevant. She was talking about the fact 
in essence, what she was saying was, just because it's at home doesn't mean you don't get up. Get up it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. you don't get dressed. It doesn't mean... It doesn't, you don't shower. That you don't shower. It doesn't mean you stay in your PJs for Absolutely, the entire yeah. day. And, you know, but, like, but the interesting thing is, when you are home working, the discipline required from home working is hugely more disciplined than it is in work. Because in reality, in work, you can't be sitting on the... I was t- saying to somebody the other day, it reminded me of when I was starting in law, I, I, I was in Jervis Place and my kids li- were across the hall. <laughs> I used to get up in the morning to work and I used to get up, well, when I was, when I started, I used to start very early in the morning. So I'd get up around six and I'd come in and I'd start working away and the kids would start floating into the office in their pyjamas, you know, at about eight o'clock because yeah, they knew yeah. dad was inside working. But like the interesting thing about it is that with home working now, we're going to have to apply a discipline that people won't be used to, you know. And the problem with it is, as I was saying to people, you know, because obviously at, in the office we sat down and had a chat about how we were going to deal with this. And because we have a number of people working at home and then we have other people coming into the office, we're, we're in a situation where, you know, you're now into people changing their whole work habits. And I said, there's two major extremes in home working. There's not working at home at all and there's working too much. Yeah, and on, ironically so. enough, the working too much can be as much of a problem as not working at all. It's amazing here what has happened. I mean, I don't think we would have looked at broadcasting from home for years. But now in the last couple of weeks, Andrew is broadcasting in the morning from home and Owen is broadcasting from home. And it works great. Yeah, it works fine. Just just goes to show you. Anyway, listen, always a pleasure, John. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Indeed, various questions into us on aspects of what you were talking about. And you might have a look at it maybe uh, next time around. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, We'll be finding out what's going on in the UK in just a few moments. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Subaru dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie